I'm Aeson, it's Friday, and this is the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. Been another busy week in City World. We slapped Spurs last weekend. Uh, we Bravo, Claudio Bravo made a hero of himself in the League Cup in midweek, and we are through to the semi-finals where we'll play Bristol City. And of course, we play Bournemouth this weekend, and the transfer window is nearly upon us. Bearing in mind that the transfer window is nearly upon us, I'm delighted first and foremost to welcome Sam Lee to this podcast. Welcome, Sam. Hello. We're going to talk transfers in a minute. Um, and I'd like to welcome Mr. Howard Hocking. Welcome, Howard. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, not been um, a bad week, has it, really? No, it's, uh, it's... On the football front. It's not been a bad season on the football <laughs> front, to be perfectly honest. Oh, fair point, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to I start by taking a, a, a little bit of a, a long look back at the Spurs game. Um, Howard, I'm going to start with you. Kind of reflecting upon it nearly a week later, the question I've got is, has Guardiola now raised the bar in the Premier League to such an extent that Spurs, Arsenal, United and Chelsea and Liverpool next summer have to decide what they do next? Is there actually a re-evaluation process that they need to go through based on how high the bar has been raised by Pep and City this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, the normal caveat to start is not won anything yet. Astonishing one one, some of the football breathtaking. But I'd still like to evaluate, you know, it has to keep this going for years. Uh you know, is this is this now <laughs> the standard of what we do? It's quite possible this is the standard. And in fact he'll strengthen the squad further. Uh some have bemoaned that this is bad news, but I've read, you know, the counterpoints that this is good news for the league as a whole. Because it it makes other people, you know, it, it makes other managers respond. It makes them think. It makes them react. It makes the league more interesting. Uh, at the moment, yeah, he's raising the bar. There's just no two ways about it. Uh, you don't, you just don't break so many records through luck or just through outspending everyone. Uh, and if you just think about, we've talked about wastefulness in the last few games, and you know. We put four past Spurs, we missed a penalty and we were very wasteful in that first half and probably eased off <laughs> a bit at the end. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous. But yeah, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Uh, other teams have the resources. It's the most cash-laden league in the world. It's for other managers to uh, to respond now. And, you know, I read, you know, when you're reading stuff before he came about how he changed the German league this is what people hate about Pep. Yeah, the ones who want him to fail. It's sometimes it's, well, I'll stop lauding him. He's just a manager. You know, he's not some genius. And I can understand that. You know, he's just a man with his ideas and all this hype can get too much, especially when he was arriving in England. Uh, but, he, you know, I saw an interesting article about how he changed how the national side played. And I've, I've seen a bit of that in how Southgate's reacted I'm sure he's trying to play, you know, get our defence to play play out of defence a bit more rather than the old just two fit forward and uh, win the ball and then see what develops. So I think it's, it should be seen as good news for everyone because managers will react. There's a lot of superb managers in the league who will now think about how to counteract 
the possible domination of City. So. Mm. Um, Sam, just to throw this over to you and to drill down into it a little bit, um, do you think that the top clubs will have to react in the way that Real Madrid reacted um, to Barcelona's potential dominance? And I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, I spoke to a United fan this week who said, hopefully now it's crystal clear to the United board that the only way that they can do this and win a title whilst Guardiola's the manager is by throwing money at it. That from a coaching, the point he was making is that from a coaching point of view, nobody is going to be able to touch what Guardiola is doing, and the only way that these clubs can bridge that gap is by going hard and heavy in the transfer market. Firstly, do you think that's true? And secondly, do you think anybody will actually do that? Well, it's one way to stop it, but the thing with City is they throw money at the transfer market, and they've got an excellent manager who knows what to do with the players. Um, and as as people have been saying for weeks, there's no guarantees that just spending money is going to win you anything. So United could well do that. And one of the reasons Mourinho was unhappy last year, even though they spent you know, 75, 90 million on Lukaku, was they wouldn't go to 45 million or whatever for Perisic. Maybe now they will. Maybe now they will go that extra mile and get the managers, to, sorry, the players that the managers want. And that goes for a lot of clubs, but not to the same extent as the money that United and City have got. But yeah, like I say, they also don't have coaches who are as good as Guardiola, so they've got an awful lot of ground to make up. Simple yeah. as that, really. Do, but do you think that? Do you think that anybody other than United? So, for example, can you see Abramovich taking? I'm what I'm curious about is who out of the top six sees Guardiola's presence as a challenge that they need to react to. And who out of the top six goes, we'll never catch them. So there's just no point in getting involved in that. Almost, almost yeah, conceding. Arsenal and Liverpool probably. That's Arsenal, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so Arsenal and Liverpool, you think, are out. What about Spurs? Are they even in the conversation? Oh, or they- no, no. Well, the thing the thing with Spurs is, and I really, I really do admire Spurs, and I, I really like Pochettino. And he has, I think he's got them punched above their weight. Um, but they're never going to be able to match that, I don't think. Unless okay. they have... Well, unless they just start spending, but you know, in the summer they they basically didn't didn't buy anybody, did they? That's, they didn't keep up that competitive level in the squad by bringing in new players who are potentially better than the ones they've already got. But that's really difficult because of the unique situation they're in, where they've got Kane and Ali and and Ericsson, who are some of the best players around, and they can't. Like, it's impossible to really buy players better than that for Spurs because players better than that won't go to Spurs, so okay. they're in a difficult position. And a new stadium, of course. So. Yeah, I don't know how much that's hindering them, but it's not going to be cheap, is it? So, apparently, it's on budget, which is rare in this country. Yeah, it's a fair play to them. Really? I, I thought apparently. they were well over budget. Oh, uh, I saw an article last week that said they were on budget. Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, okay, fair enough. So we we think United and Chelsea might financially try and bridge the gap, but we don't see anybody else trying to do it. Well, Chelsea, sorry, Chelsea's new stadium's hit a huge snag, hasn't it? I think it's been put back years, so they've got to be very careful because that could be like a billion pound, you know, like hanging around them if they continue with it. So, you know, they play, you know these teams have to build new stadiums. It can really hamper them for yeah. years and years and years, especially as Chelsea would probably have to go and play at Wembley as well for a couple of years or uh, at least a couple of years. So... Could be a good time for Pep to uh, weave his magic because other teams have got 
issues to deal with there, big issues. You can't just move grounds and carry on as normal. It just does not happen. Mm. Uh, I mean, City had probably one of the smoothest transitions, you know, because obviously we we play in a council house. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but still, it's still a huge, huge upheaval and it will have an effect, a ripple effect for quite some time. So Definitely. And I just- of course, you know, well... I don't know what Liverpool's staying where they are, aren't they? But yeah, so many teams will, yeah, it will hamper quite a few teams who want to move. So mm. it'll just it'll be interesting to see how the the transfer windows play out in the next two summers, in particular, because I'll be I'm curious as to whether anybody decides to go the Madrid route of just going. Well, you know what? Let's go for broke here and let's go and buy five, six absolute worldies and spend a fortune and see if we can't bridge the gap between what we'll basically get to the bar that Guardiola has raised in, um, in English football. Okay. So we beat Spurs. We go to Leicester in the league cup. We win. And that sets us up very, very nicely for Bournemouth this weekend. Um, Bournemouth who themselves have just been trounced by Liverpool in the, uh, in the league. Um, Routine victory, Sam. Are you expecting a routine victory, or you know, what, what, what's your feeling on on Eddie Howe and Bournemouth this season, and 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 how they will be when they come to the Etihad? Um, they've never really shown any kind of inclination to play the game that City don't like. Yeah, whenever they've played City, obviously City weren't particularly good against them at the start of the season, but I think that was City's own problem rather than anything Bournemouth did in particular. And I'm expecting, yeah, a, a routine win for City, more so than most other home games that they've had recently. Um, and uh, part of that is the fact that uh, Bournemouth have got a lot of injuries themselves. And City are doing well, and a lot of their players were rested in midweek. So, And Bournemouth had 24 hours less rest, I suppose. So those marginal gains are in City's favour as well. Because mm. they played with Chelsea in the, in the League Cup on Thursday on Wednesday. Um, this is a question for both of you. Uh, Howard, I'll start with you. Do you think that... Do you rate Eddie Howe? And do you think that as much as it can be a virtue to be at the same club for a long time, that maybe sometimes with guys like Howe, that once you've got a team into the Premier League and you've kept them there for a certain amount of seasons, it's like it's like Pulis at Stoke, where at a certain point, you just know that the only way from there is down. So maybe it's better to walk away whilst your reputation is still at peak. Because I feel as though, for example, Eddie Howe's a guy who a year ago, 18 months ago, he's the first, like Everton need a manager. It's got to be Eddie Howe. He's the, you know, he's the progressive, hip English coach. But then a year later, Marco Silva comes in and does maybe what Eddie Howe did three years ago with Bournemouth. Marco Silva comes in and he does it with Watford. And now he's kind of the golden child. And Eddie ha- Bournemouth is struggling. And Eddie Howe is now maybe seen differently. You, you see what I'm getting at here? Yeah. I'll be, I'll be, I think there was even talk of him going to Arsenal at one point. Yeah, maybe not exactly. serious talk, but you know, links were made that it'd be a natural progress, uh, progression from Wenger to him. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's what, what more can he do? I do rate him, but within his own bubble. He's done a great job. But this is a team that can still, you know, nowadays go and spend, say, £16 million on Ibe, and which still puts him at a huge... He's better than Sterling, obviously. It still puts him at a disadvantage to other teams because they can't attract <laughs> the great players. But, 
Yeah, I, I do rate him, but <laughs> I do rate him, but I think if there is a manager who can only play as as Sam's already alluded to, he likes to play football the right way, but I feel that's the only way for him. Uh, I think City have prof- profited from this in recent years because they're not a sort of team, and now they'll go and prove me completely wrong on Saturday that will uh, do what do what yeah Huddersfield did or what Southampton did. Though I didn't mm. think Southampton could do it either, to be honest. So, and he wants to play his own way, and that's a, a bit of an Achilles heel for him, I think, because they don't have the players to do that. I do have respect for him, but he's he's kind of caught now into of where to what does he do now. It's all a bit stale. Uh, all he can do is just, you know, he's treading water in a way. Mm. Uh, I've no idea. I've literally no idea if he went elsewhere, if he could replicate it, or if he's a man who's just found his club and made his own little success story there. Okay. But yeah, it would be interesting if he went somewhere else to see if he's, you know, but he'd have to start all over again in a way. So mm. uh, um, yeah, it should be routine, you know, because I don't think the. They know how to shut up shop against us, which is the worst thing you can do. So, uh, and as Sam said, uh, Defoe's out into. I think he's got ligament problems. Mm. Uh, I think Daniels is out. I think Harry Hart is out as well. Uh, so they have got a few players out, and obviously they've not got the depth of squad to deal with that. Those things. Uh, they've also just. I don't know what team they put out against Chelsea, but they've they've also gone out in the Carabao Cup this week, haven't they? So. Uh, they've had a game midweek. It should be routine. So, okay, um, Sam, uh, just to kind of go back to this idea that you know, Eddie, I, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot written about Eddie Howe being naive in the way he sets his team up, in the way he sets his team up against big teams. Um, would you go along with that? Uh, it's kind of like what you asked me on Monday about. Should Spurs have changed their way of playing against City? And I said, no, they're right to stick with what they do because that's how they play, and you know that's where they're their best. So I suppose it would be hypocritical of me to say that Bournemouth should change as well. Um, and I suppose they decide that they can't. They well, they they can't get a result against bigger teams by playing defensively. So no, you know what? I, I think it's fair enough because I, I think a lot of the the people who say that they should play defensively, that stems from this kind of mentality of English football that I hope will eventually change if Guardiola is here for a lot of years and has success playing like this because that is the default British mentality of how you get a result against a team that's better than you and it is to sit back and defend and hope for the best. So I think it would be hypocritical of me to to say that Eddie Howe should change his way of playing because that's the way he wants to do it and that's the way that he gets his team playing best and if that's the way he feels they got the best chance, then fair enough, really. Mm, I also, I I read an interesting argument, which was, I think either Eddie Howe said it uh, and he's being quoted or he said it off the record, but basically what Eddie Howe said was that his point of view is that against three quarters of the Premier League, they can play exactly the way that they want to play. And the benchmark is to be able to play like that against the top teams and get a result. So for him, he's almost of the opinion that, of course, I'm going to play that way against the big teams. Otherwise, we don't know how far away we are from them. 
You know, it's, you don't, in a way, he's kind of saying the best way to gauge the progress that we make is by how we perform playing the way that we want to play against the big teams because we can know, we know we can do it against three quarters of the Premier League. Um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting way of looking at it and one that I respect more. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get the idea that if they were genuinely in a relegation battle and they get relegated because he goes and he opens up against three of the top six teams in the last five games of the season. Well, that's different. That's, you know, there's a there's a very specific danger of being relegated in that moment. But I don't think they've ever been there. They've always been in a position where they don't really look like they're going to be relegated with five, yeah, yeah, six games to go. Right. Yeah, mm. so, so he's... He's, in my opinion, he's he's all right in doing that. And I like Eddie Howe. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, we struggled big time there earlier in the season, but that was early season, wasn't it? So it's, and I think it's been more successful. I think it's fine doing it at home. They've been pretty, very competitive on their own patch. Yeah. You know, Liverpool, it happens, doesn't it? There might be the odd thrashing here and there, but it happens. Uh, you know, we can thrash Watford, but let's, you know, they can still, they were still doing brilliantly at the time and did, so in the games before and afterwards, uh, they can take that and move on. Uh, but yeah, it's just sometimes, I don't know, maybe just occasionally, they may have to look at being more defensive, you know, away from home. But yeah, it's different now. They're 16th, aren't they? So one of those teams being dragged into trouble. Uh, well, it's a weird it's a weird league down there, though, because one or two wins and yeah. suddenly you're ninth. So you're ninth, yeah. I, I don't think that there'll be... It's going to be an interesting second half of the season for Eddie Howe because I part of me does worry that maybe this is the season that they do get sucked into it. And if they do get sucked into it, that's where you then worry where maybe that the idea of style then becomes a little bit of a hindrance or an albatross. Because as I say, if there's three or four games left, then you just need a result, even if it's just a point. Yeah, And uh, after us, they've got two home games against West Ham and Everton. So they may well target those two, which are winnable, but also potentially tricky because of both teams changing managers and upturn of form. So, you know, they, they could win them, but if if they go wrong, then they're really in big trouble, aren't they, going into the new year? So. Yeah, certainly. But I think I think it's one of those where it, you, you kind of look at that bottom half of the table and you go, you know what? Probably all 10 of those teams are going to be in danger of relegation until at least March. And then March, April, you might begin to see, yeah, it might sort of, yeah, the pack might develop a little bit more and you might see a few teams that are just about out of it. But um, there's a lot of dross down there. I feel like I say that every year, but there's a hell of a lot of dross down there. And I don't think Bournemouth the dross, but I do think that they've maybe not recruited in the best way. Um, I feel as though whenever Eddie House tried to spend money, with the exception of of Nathan Ake, it hasn't really worked out. I mean, he paid like 15, 16, 17 million for, for Jordan Ibe. Now, granted, he's better than Raheem Sterling, but, yeah. you know, still. Who isn't? Yeah, who, who isn't better than Raz? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays itself out. So, Mr. Hawking, you're always a good gauge of how how a game is going to play out <laughs> going into this game. Do you feel nervous, apprehensive, or are you just can't wait to get into the Etihad and to see Pep's team playing? Uh, yeah, can't wait to get in. Uh, they're really defensive. I start panicking after 15 minutes that we're not winning. 
go through the seven phases of doubt, anger, why, why are we playing like this? Then we score one and get another four and think, oh yeah, it was fine. <laughs> so, uh, no, I think I could be pretty confident on this one. As I say, they've got players out. Uh, I think even King might be a doubt. Yeah, yeah, King went off against Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, uh, and I think yeah, you know, I think they're the two top scorers, and they've barely got any goals. To be honest, you know, it's like I don't think anyone's hit five goals yet. So the, the you know, with our domination of the ball, they're not going to hit us. I don't think they've got the quickest counter attack players. You know, I don't. It really should not be a problem unless we do something. You know, unless we get a player sent off, anything can happen. But Okay. Really yeah, it would just be. have to be something really weird, wouldn't it? Like, I just can't it see. Would, I just yeah. can't see Bournemouth getting anything in okay. normal circumstances. Um, yeah. Sam, in terms of City's team selection, mm. uh, are there any question marks, or does the team does the eleven pick itself? It, uh, I suppose it depends on if David Silva's back. Is he back in training? I believe that he is. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. Okay, I, as I of read. right now, I don't know. Social media told me that he was back in training. So, oh fucking social media's been saying all sorts about him this week. Yeah, <laughs> it's also the absolute, the absolute state of some of these rumours. Yeah, no, mate. Honestly, not... the people—I mean, the people who believe him, you, you find it's worry. But the people who come up with them are absolute scum. So. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I heard, he's in Venezuela, Tenerife. He's back in training, and he's also died. So, uh, I just hope he's. You know, I don't say that lightly. I agree with Sam. It's you know pretty. It's. <laughs> Soul sapping in a way, isn't it? When you read some of this, and it's like uh, some people think they've got the inside track, some people just literally like to spread lies. But yeah. some people don't understand what the word private actually means. The number yeah. of people that have gone, Yeah, but why don't they just tell us what it is? Mad because it. it's a private matter. I, I, I do mean, understand a few are gen, you know, we do think David Silver's a god, <laughs> literally. That, uh, that's not even hyperbole, he's a god. Uh, and, you know, some are generally worried about him. They want to know that he's okay. I understand that, but you've got to step back sometimes and say, it's private, he wants it to be private. Just wait, just wait. He'll be back when he's back, you know. You just can't, you don't have the right to know everything, do you? Uh, social media makes you think sometimes you do have a right, but you don't, so. Yeah. When, he, when he's ready, he'll be back and we'll move on, so. Spot on. So then I did ask Sam about selection questions. Um, Sam, your Aguero article is out, and I think that it's probably that is probably a nice segue into talking about some transfers, but starting by talking about the, the Aguero piece that you've written. Yeah. Um, do you maybe want to talk through where you think his head is at and what the potential issues might be. And also just whether it's a storm in a teacup. Well, this is it. It, it. it may be a storm in a teacup because basically the bottom line is Aguero is pissed off with the situation and people will say, oh, well, we heard this last year, but this is it. It's, it's the same situation as last year. Um, in the end, last year's situation got resolved because he spoke to Khaldun Al-Mubarak in LA during pre-season and Khaldun said... Don't worry, the things will change. You know, his gripes with Guardiola and you know his concerns about lack of playing time or being forced out. Khaldun said, please stay, things will change. And Aguero went, great, well, that's great because I want to stay. So, great, well, let's crack on. And like, a transfer wasn't an issue. Like, it didn't even come up, supposedly, since, you know, fr- from then on. 
Um, but in recent weeks, Aguero is now of the opinion that things haven't changed. And he thinks that uh, every every time Guardiola gets the chance, he's kind of doing things to put pressure on him or kind of... Uh, what's, the, what's the best way of putting it? To, to kind of... Yeah, just put pressure on him and make him feel uneasy. That's how that's how Aguero feels at the moment. The other side of it is people close to Guardiola are like, well, Aguero always is always like this when he's not playing. Um he could score forty goals a season and he'd not be happy. You know, he he just wants to play and fine. And apparently Guardiola's happy enough with the dynamic of how his two number nines are working, which is partly why, you know, Alexis Sanchez is only going to come in the summer if he comes at all, rather than the winter. So, like, yeah, I can see why people would say it's a storm in a teacup, but the bottom line is Aguero is really pissed off with the situation. Similarly to Claudio Bravo, as we discussed on Thursday's pod, um, that, you know, he's happy at City and, you know, he's he's happy with how the, the club are getting on. He's happy with their position in the league, but he's not entirely happy with his situation and particularly with Guardiola. Is this the and, other side is this the other side of Pep, do you think, Sam? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, of course it is. And you know, you know me, I am a, a huge fan of Guardiola and what he does and his style of play and his and his convictions. But part of that is if you don't if you don't fit in, then he's got a certain way of, of dealing with that. Um obviously the Ibrahimovic example is an obvious one. But for all Ibrahimovic moans and he did this the other week He's like, oh, he didn't sort out his problem. He just dropped me because of Messi. And it's like, yeah, he dropped you, a great player, to make Messi the best player in the world and Barcelona the best team ever. So I'd say he dealt with that problem fairly well. And that's just generally how he he can be with certain players. It seems like 90% of the players who've played under him love him and a certain amount who have fallen foul of him aren't quite so fond. Um, so yeah, I'm oh, sorry, I know I'll cut you off slightly, but yes, that. That is the other side of Guardiola. Okay. Um, Which is the other side of any manager, I, I, I think. Yeah, of course. I, I do I, I do think there is, you do get the impression with Pep that there's a, there's a, there can be a coldness about him if your face doesn't fit or if he's decided that he doesn't quite fancy you. I think sometimes, for example, the way that he's spoken about Vinny, sometimes you kind of go, Oof, that's harsh. I mean, even for all of his injury problems, He's a club legend and club captain. And so maybe he should be spoken about not as if he's like a broken clock, if that makes sense. Yeah, Whereas, the other way of looking at it as well is the the owners were like, you can't sell Joe Hart. Joe Hart's big for this club. And Guardiola was like, get, get him out of my sight, basically. <laughs> Sam. Um, hey, uh, Howard, I want to ask you, how do you feel as a... Um, Obviously, Con's a legend, right? And the the name of this podcast is 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 dedicated to the greatest moment in my adult life, uh, which is the goal that he scored. Um, is I hope, I hope it, your wife's not listening. Uh, she does listen, and she knows how it goes. Um, in terms of in terms of how this is playing out, do you kind of wish that Pep would? Do you think that things like him not getting on the pitch during the derby, being hooked as early as he was hooked against Spurs, do you think that those things are showing a little bit of a lack of respect from Pep to Aguero? Or 
are you of the opinion the team comes first and he's the manager and he decides and Aguero needs to either shape up or ship out? Yeah, no. Well, it doesn't have to shape up. That The team does come first and Pep picks his best team. So, I mean, he's had plenty of pitch time. You know, just because it's one match the derby, I don't think he's uh, enough to have a strop. And his removal against Spurs was a tactical move, I imagine, because... He wanted pressing high up the pitch. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, see both sides. Yeah, how can you criticise Pep? His methods of, of breaking all records. So they are working. Uh, but I understand the players. You know, a player, forget Aguero, if you're a player, you're one of the most highly rated in the world, then obviously you're going to see it differently. There's no right or wrong. It's just two worlds colliding, isn't it? I don't think he's got... You don't know how they interact in private. None of us do. But from team selections, I don't think uh, Conaguero's got much to moan about at this point in time. He's had just as much time on the pitch with Jesus. And as we've discussed in the past, neither of them are setting the world alight at the moment, which may be down to to systems and all that. Uh, He is our greatest, you know, he's the greatest striker I've ever seen play for the team. But you still have that creeping feeling that It'll be moving on because of you know it doesn't quite fit in this system. And the sad thing is, <laughs> we bring someone else in and probably keep winning loads and loads of matches. But that doesn't take away from everything he's done for this club. It I- doesn't mean he's going to go either. He can still stay for another four years and get another hundred goals. So it's up to him and Pep to decide the future, isn't it? Mm. Just to Sorry, pick, what are you going to say? To- yeah, just to pick up on one thing that you said. Um, you said that neither him nor Jesus are in great form. I completely agree. Um, but based on the fact that neither of them are in great form, could you maybe see from Aguero's point of view why he might look at the situation and go, well, me and Jesus are both not in great form. The difference is that I've already proven that I'm a world-class goal scorer. So I should be the senior player I should get the big games and Jesus needs to play himself back into form and play me out of the starting position. No, I don't think what's happened in the past has anything to do with it. He'll pick his team, as you say, for that individual match, uh, for their skill set that suits how he sees the opposition reacting. So for the derby, he will have seen something and it'll be probably pressing from Jesus probably not about goal scoring this is it I mean they're both if both players played every week you know at the end of the City careers they'd have hundreds of goals you know it's about more with Pep into it's about Mm. it's not about statistics and he's picking a team according to the situation of each match maybe perhaps medical advice as well when you've got games every three days Uh, let's not forget Aguero has had huge injury problems in the past, which have thankfully, for now, Touchwood largely disappeared. So, yeah, he can take that viewpoint, but at the end of the day, the manager is king. Uh, it just, yeah, it just, it does all seem a bit pointless. It's not, it's not an argument that really needs to be had right now, does it? The team's playing brilliantly, and he's getting plenty of, of uh, time on the pitch. But of course, as you said. If he's one of the top strikers in the world, you want to be on the pitch for all the big games. Yeah. Um, let's see how it goes. And, you know, obviously we'll have the Champions League. Uh, just remains to be seen how it goes. But he's had plenty of time on the pitch anyway. So, 
Okay. Sam, what would you say to all of the people who uh, have probably already replied to your article on Twitter uh, or who are listening to this and are going, this is just the media stirring up shits. This has got nothing, you know, that Aguero's not said anything shit. Like basically show me a quote where Aguero says he's unhappy with Guardiola and I'll say, okay, maybe there's a story there, but until then stop spreading lies. Yeah. I'm glad you asked. Um, Well, and as soon as you put it like that, I've done enough stories in the last couple of years for people to know that, I've got good contacts and also I don't make stuff up for any reason. And I don't really, I don't think I'd make up a story that would result in me getting called a rag wanker over Christmas weekend. So <laughs> I've, I've put this story out because it's, it's, it's a story. And, you know, Aguero is not only unhappy. And like I say, I've put both sides across in that Guardiola doesn't seem too bothered about it. But the main thing is, the situation was resolved and diffused in the summer, but it's it's it sounds like it's the same situation that's going to need resolving again. But if Caldoun tells Aguero this time things are going to be okay, he might not necessarily believe him. So there is, you know, there are those implications to take into account. And yes, in, to address the the line that there are no quotes or anything like that. Um, so when I was being told this. And I was formulating the article in my head as we went through. I went, well, people are just going to say, oh, well, it's because he didn't play in the derby and because he got taken off against Spurs and because he didn't play against Leicester that the media were going to make up this story. Um, so I was trying to get specific examples. And, I, and, you know, I was trying to work out, you know, why does, you know, the quote was, well, the quote was to me, was Aguero doesn't feel like, Guardiola's acting as he should and he's not paying him enough respect. So I went, what are the specific examples? And he went, we're not playing him against United. It's just crazy. He was like, he's, you know, he's he sit his rec, all-time record goal scorer. He believes he should be treated with more respect. And yeah, the derby was held up as a big example of him not playing, um, to which I personally would think, well, he may well have come on, but company had to come off at half time. So that was a spanner in the works. And that basically took two substitutions because... Guardiola's explained why he put on Fernandinho first to yeah. keep the momentum up. And then he put on Mangala to to deal with the aerial threat because he thought Ibrahimovic was going to come on. So as an outsider, I would say there were reasons why he didn't come on in the derby. But the fact is, people who know Aguero very well, essentially Aguero himself, it's not Aguero himself, but essentially, um, he they, they say that the him not playing the derby is is a big factor. And I mean, the Spurs thing, like Bravo's reaction to Guardiola's hug the other night, the, the Spurs substitution, he was clearly pissed off about that. And again, that was held up as an example. And I was having this conversation on Tuesday morning. And that's why I was able to tweet during the day that he wasn't in the squad because I was told that. And I went, well, does he want to be in the squad? Or was he, you know, because, you know, he's just being rested, surely. He went, no, he, he, he wants to play. So the two ways of looking at this is, and I can only write the facts of what I've been told, and which is why I've tried to balance it with what Guardiola believes to make it a fair article. But what I've been told is he's not happy, and these are the three specific examples, and he believes that Guardiola's forcing him out because whenever Guardiola says in public, oh, it'll be up to Aguero when he leaves, um, Aguero thinks that he's the one being forced out 
but Guardiola is positioning himself in such a way that if Aguero does leave, Guardiola won't get blamed for it and Aguero will. That's what that's what Aguero believes, or that's what I'm being told. And to go back to the doing showing two sides of it and it being fair, that may well be true, and that may well be exactly how Aguero feels, or it may be that Aguero does want to leave and he's actually laying the groundwork and he's actually doing it. So Guardiola gets the blame. It may well be a big game. But whatever the truth behind that is, there is a situation at City whereby Aguero either feels like he's being forced out or he wants to leave. So it's worth doing the article. Mm. Um, I hope that I'll, I hope that was coherent enough. It was. It, was, it was Howard. Let's ask yeah. Howard because you're you're kind of a neutral in in, yeah. in this. Um, did, does that make sense? What what Sam said? Yeah, it was. Totally coherent, Sam, yeah. In, in and I hope people listen to this <laughs> before doing Twitter replies as well. Yeah. So. In in terms of in terms of how this uh, firstly, do you see this situation affecting the football this season? The team or Yeah, him? Howard. Do you think do you think that do you think that at any point this becomes a problem, or do you think that team spirit is so high? And Aguero is professional enough that he'll always give his all when he's called upon. He'll always train in the right way. If he has a strop when he's subbed, it doesn't really affect the the team or the morale. You see what I'm saying, don't you? Yeah, at the moment, no, it can't because morale is that high. Okay. Uh, but it's hard to ignore, isn't it? I mean, if, if it did, hypothetically, get a real strop. I don't know how Aguero, you know, I have seen his head go down like he's a human being. Like I've seen plenty of players on the pitch. He's looked sullen in the occasional matches. Mm. Uh, could be for any reason whatsoever, nothing to do with Pep, you know, because we all have lives outside football. Uh, it, yeah, it could affect his own form. As for the team, I don't. At the moment, it would, uh, you know, barely raise a murmur. I think because morale's never been better, has it? So. Okay. Yeah, and that that is an important thing. It was. It was again. This might be a big game, on Aguero's part, but it was stressed to me that. You know he's happy. That's why he's you know he celebrated. And I said this to the person I was speaking to. I was like, well, he you know he was celebrating after the derby. He was clearly happy. He celebrated with Guardiola. Did he not hug Guardiola on the touchline when when Ottomendi scored? I don't know. Um, and he was like, yeah, of course he's happy with the team. He's happy with the position of the team, and you know he's happy with Jesus. He's got a good relationship with him. Um, but he's just um, he's just unhappy with the situation with Guardiola, which again is similar to what we discussed about Bravo. Hmm. So okay. and, and the other point that was made is, and it's the same as last season, because Aguero did improve for all the fact he was unhappy with Guardiola for much of the season. He did improve as a player. And that's why I thought personally that this situation had been put to bed at some point over the summer because he seemed to be doing much better, didn't he? He'd improved and there didn't seem to be any issues. So even now, with it being the case that it's reared its head again, there is every chance that it's not, it's not going to disrupt the team because Aguero will just carry on working and trying to score goals and doing as best he can, which is what okay. he said last year. And it, yeah, it's effectively the same situation, isn't it? So it um, could be the same reaction. So yes or no, Sam, do you think that Aguero will be a City player next season? For the reasons I've already said, in that either Aguero wants to go or Guardiola wants him to go, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say no, 
But I think you can tell by my voice I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah. I can understand. Because, I mean, Caldoun genuinely does want him to stay. Hmm. But well, there's no but, reason for him. There's no reason for him to go. I mean, he's a world class centre. Yeah, and he doesn't want it. Like, from yeah. what I'm told, he doesn't want it. Um, Howard, obviously, you're just speculating, but yeah. you see, Con staying beyond next well, summer. I like a bet, so I'd say it was an evens. So I'd bet on if I had to bet on it. No, I'd okay. go for no. Yeah, because okay. the thing is, Caldoun wants him to stay, but like the heart thing, obviously, Aguero's got a better a better reputation than Hart, even though, you know, Hart was rightly loved by the fans two years ago. Um, but I think everybody would realise that if Guardiola does want somebody out, then he's, he is going to get his own way, isn't he? Especially if City win whatever this season. Nobody's yeah. going to say no to Guardiola if he says, totally. sorry, boss, but these are the plans and this this fella's gone. And I think so that's also, kind of what makes me think. That's what yeah. makes me err on the side of no, even though that Calhoun wants him to stay, and so does Aguero. I think also, you know, uh, Aguero's good enough that he goes to Real Madrid and he starts in their front three uh, week in and week out because he's much better than Benzema. Um, I think similarly, if he goes to Paris Saint-Germain, I think he gets in ahead of Cavani. I think he's a better player. Um, and I think he gets into their front three. And those are the two clubs that I feel as though they have the resources and the kind of footballing project to potentially to put Aguero in a position where he wants a move, if that makes sense, where he goes from currently sat here in December going, I don't want to leave Man City. I just want Guardiola to respect me to get to June and go, actually, I want to go to Madrid now because they're saying X, Y, and Z. And you're still saying, I've got to fight for me place. Um, but yeah, it will... Uh, the Independiente else? thing complicates it as well, because what what club like PSG or Real Madrid is going to want to sign him for big money, and then he's going to want to go to Independiente in two years. So that complicates things as well. And that's partly why he wants to stay, because his exit strategy is pretty much set from yeah. City to Independiente. So it is very complicated, but that is the situation as it stands, and that's why I reported it, because it's happening again. Yeah, I think also on the flip side, Sam, the flip side to the exit strategy is it's a, it's a payday. I mean, you know, that's the reality is that if he goes to Paris or he goes to Real Madrid, mm. he'll get a four-year contract, do you know what I mean? And it'll be worth a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So, and he'll get the signing on fee and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I can, I can see why he himself may be tempted if, if certain offers were to come in next summer. Okay, we've done Aguero to death. Stop people on Twitter. Stop abusing Sam Lee. He just wrote a story. It's, you know, it's not his fault that Aguero might be unhappy. Um, okay. To wrap this up very quickly, I want to talk about January and Virgil van Dijk and uh, Inigo Martinez and yeah. what the lay of the land is, Sam. Um, so, yeah, where are we with with the centre-half and those two players who seemingly are the two that have been linked the most heavily? Yeah, yeah. Well, did the article last week that those two were the the ones being considered? Uh, obviously, they were they were targets at different points in the summer for different reasons, and they had different characteristics. And those characteristics are being considered now. The big consideration, which has come to light since, and which I wrote about on Thursday morning, is uh, like the squad harmony, and that's one of the big reasons behind. Alexis most likely coming in the summer if he comes at all. Um, because in the summer, Guardiola wanted Alexis to shake up the forward line 
and introduce a cutting edge and you know better work rate but they don't need that now and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to shake things up he did want to shake things up in the summer he doesn't want to now because Sane and Sterling are having better seasons than he expected and he doesn't want people to have to be on the bench more than they should be so that's I think that's one of the the main considerations and then that's applicable to Van Dijk as well because as I wrote last week Van Dijk and Inigo Martinez are both being considered they've both got pros and cons one of the cons and I don't think it'll prove to be too important in the end but one of the cons about Van Dijk is how he'd react and how morale with him and the squad would be affected if he's third choice you know if City spends 60 million 70 million on him and he's third choice when Stones and Otamendi are fit so this the whole squad harmony thing comes into it with the centre backs as well but that said I do I do think of the two well Van Dijk is the preferred option Guardiola wants him more because he's got the Premier League experience and he think he can step in for the big games. What about the fact he supposedly turned us down before? Yeah, exactly. But well, perhaps never go back. Uh, I think that's more. I think that might be more a cheeky thing. But yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, I, we we spoke about it at length in the summer, and Laporte was the the most obvious example. But I think he's the most obvious example because he left it so late and everything was signed off like contracts were drawn up or whatever and then in the last yeah. minute you went actually no so maybe that was more of a of a bit of taste um, may, and maybe now there's more of a necessity there's not too many centre-backs around of the the Van Dyke mould and they think all right let's but let bygones be bygones we'll, we'll try it again but no you you raise an interesting point I'm not sure why that's the case um, do you think that Southampton are more amenable to selling now than they were last summer well, I think a lot of players in the summer who wanted big moves and didn't get them aren't playing particularly well now. And you'd think their clubs are like, oh, well, let's just get rid then. And then you'd probably think, uh, if, well, they were so pissed off at Liverpool, they probably wouldn't want to sell to him. So they'd probably think, oh, well, yeah, let's exploit this situation and get decent money out of City and cut our losses. Mm. I think it's interesting, like I said, uh, the last time we spoke about this, the fact that um, Paul Joyce at the, in the Times, who's very close to yeah. apparently Van Dyke's people and also very close to Liverpool, if he's writing that City are in hard and heavy for Van Dyke, then uh, I suspect that he's got it from from somewhere uh, reputable. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Howard, would you like Van Dyke in January? No, not really. I'd rather wait till summer. I just prefer summer. I mean, what this is any transfers? We're looking at the Champions League, effectively, aren't we? Will it make a difference? Uh, we don't. As it stands, things can change. The league's going so swimmingly. We don't need to strengthen in January for the league. The League Cup, obviously, is what it is. Sorry, Carabao Cup. <laughs> uh, so, and the FA Cup, he'll, he may take seriously. He may not. So. You're talking about players that make a difference in the Champions League at the end of the day. And as Sam said, you've got to get them into the squad. You've got to get used to a system that, you know, a lot of the players performing brilliantly now took a year to get used to this system. Yeah, true. Uh, it Obviously, if there's, you know, with Mendy out, they'll know better when he is coming back. But again, that'll take, even when he's training, it'll be a while. I still think we can pretty much write off this system, even if he's training in March. Uh we're not really going to see the true menu until next season. So there might be, yeah, there's these gaps that 
may need covering because it's such a hard season. But I just don't like the idea of short-term replacements or mid-season ones unless it's very important. So mm. if it happens, I thought he was overpriced, but I was very impressed with him when we played him recently. Uh, he certainly has the elegance to... I can see him, you know, being a pet player. Still not convinced he's performed at the highest level to merit that price tag. But then again, you know, do we care about a price tag? That's a separate argument. If we can afford him, then get him. I just personally, you know, Stones is back in training now in the company. Is obviously we can't rely on that. I just a little bit of me would just prefer uh, to wait until the summer and perhaps. Okay. Perhaps an old head on loan could, uh, you know, if he really feels we're just very light on backups, I'd prefer some short-term deal that's cheap. What I'd say to that is, I think they probably see him as long-term and if they wanted him in the summer, they'd probably want him next summer and obviously they want him now. So I think they'd see, you might, if they if they were going to get him anyway in the summer, they may as well get him now. I don't, I, I don't yeah. think he's necessarily a short-term, but I do completely agree with your points about him having to adapt to the system. Yeah, sometimes no, you have to get a player when the moment's right. So, you know, if there's a chance of nabbing him off Liverpool in January, then rather than you know being a part of an auction the next summer, then you know it might just have to be the time to get him. So, I just thought I also think that you know I think we're we're in a in a funny position where you feel like the morale is so good, and and I completely hear what Sam is saying about Pep not wanting to kind of unbalance the the squad morale by bringing the wrong player in in January or maybe upsetting a player that's playing well. But I think at the same time, if you get the right player in, it gives everybody a boost. Um, And I, for me, I think Van Dijk is the right player because I think at centre-half, we are light. I don't think we can really rely on Vinny. Um, I think with the Champions League, that's exactly where having Van Dijk, the fact that he can be registered in the Champions League squad, I think that's huge because I think it means that, you know, Stones Otamendi, when the 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 round of 16 comes around, and don't forget there's the round of 16, the quarter, the semi, and the final if we go through each each stage. There's a lot of games to be played, which means there's going to be a lot of three-game weeks. And when you've got three-game weeks like that, I sort of look at the squad and you just go, well, if Vinny's injured then Mangala's got to play in one of those games. And I think that's where it becomes, uh, maybe you might look at it, you might argue on the one hand, well, we've got such a big lead in the Premier League where it doesn't matter. But at the same time, I think it kind of does matter. And I think that if you can get that player in, I think it's, yeah, I think with Van Dijk, I think absolutely it'd be the right thing to do if we can get him in January. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry, I rambled. I don't think I made much sense just then, but okay. Um, That was excellent, Sam. Thank you very much for coming on the Friday show again and giving us a little transfer update. No problem, mate, any time. Mr. Hawking, thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure as always. Thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, Remember, if you've not signed up to the 9320 player, uh, it's £4 a month. Go to our website, 9320.com, and sign up there. There's loads of content. We do loads of podcasts. Um, We will be back on the player with a review of the Bournemouth game on Monday. Until then... Thank you for listening and have a lovely weekend.